Family values. Now that's a loaded term. There are probably as many definitions as there are people. But first, a confession. Once upon a time, I was a Republican. I like to think the party left me rather than vice versa. Some of my opinions have changed. Some of them have not. So what are family values? There are political definitions. The ones that first spring to mind are the stated Republican ones. No premarital sex, a traditional role for women in the family, opposition to homosexuality and to abortion. Democrats provide alternatives, family planning, reproductive choice, affordable childcare, acceptance of a variety of family structures. Both of these definitions tend to be lists of issues and are oppositional. Our family values are good, yours are crazy. And because they are political, they're usually focused on what government ought to be doing about it. So what do I think family values are? I believe that human beings are stronger and healthier in families than they are alone, that our family relationships are our most important ones, the place where we learn and practice good behavior in order to be able to do it in the world, that good family values make family bonds stronger. They encourage all people to live in families, to create families, to take responsibility for their families. Now, there are theoretically a lot of ways to do families right, but I think that there are some reasons that some of our more conservative structures work well for us. Take marriage. Old-fashioned, permanent, monogamous marriage. Forsaking all others, keep thee only unto thy spouse, so long as ye both shall live. Faithful marriage is good for you. The deepest relationship you'll ever have. Married people are happier, healthier, and live longer. You're never just an individual anymore, and the world knows it. You are recognized as a unit together. There's a reason that homosexuals wanted and needed and deserved this old institution. And marriage sets up parenting. Two parents are better than one. That shouldn't be controversial. Of course, life happens. Spouses die, marriages fail. One parent or the other may fail in their responsibilities through ignorance, abuse, or absence. Children may be unplanned and you do what you have to do. But two loving and present parents is still the gold standard. All of this is really glib of me to say. I speak from a position of marital privilege. My marriage is good. More importantly, my parents' marriage was good. But that's partly the point. When capital L liberals accept and promote a wide variety of family choices as morally neutral, there's a kind of weird reverse hypocrisy going on. Because even when people have the resources to make interesting choices, and by resources, I mean not just money, but also good sex education, available childcare, and so on, 
When we have those resources, we still opt for good old marriage and two-parent families as much as we possibly can. Liberals even more than conservatives, according to some research. Why wouldn't we value and model and celebrate such family values? On this Mother's Day, in this lonely time, I wish you all the joys of your families, the ones you can see in person and the ones you can't. Blessed be. For better or worse, Unitarian Universalists are overwhelmingly liberal. Not just theologically, I mean, that's part of our self-definition, but politically as well. I think oftentimes it is for worse. Not only because community pressure keeps conservatives in our midst quiet, when we would all benefit from a robust, respectful dialogue among people of different political stripes, and not only because it keeps them out altogether, but also because self-described liberals and radicals here allow some of their own most important values to atrophy. They're values that have long been associated with political and social conservatism, but which support both our Unitarian Universalist principles and the community we are trying to create here. Before I list them and go on, I want to note that what is almost certain to happen in your mind, as I do, is to compare them to the actual positions of the Republican Party or to any self-described conservative movements or to people you know who say they're conservative. I, um, not, what, not everyone who claims these values, of course, practices what they preach. I realize the difficulty of arguing that conservatives value law and order when self-described conservatives have almost to a person elected not to acknowledge, much less act on, numerous obvious acts of law-breaking by their president. And of course, when the news is full of self-described conservatives in Michigan and other places storming the legislative houses and demanding that a minority gets to overrule the decisions made in a law-abiding way by the people of the state. But I don't want to get into all of that for a couple of reasons. First, it's my observation that no one lives up to all the values they espouse. Sometimes that's outright hypocrisy at work, and sometimes it's just the difficulty of actually embodying all of our ideals. We try, we fail, and if we're people of principle, we try again. It can take a lifetime to figure out just how we should apply our values in the world. Libertarians, liberals, radicals are also prone to hypocrisy and to falling short. So suffice it to say that politics and principles, values and policies do not always align as we expect. And the second reason that I don't want to get entangled in the question of whether actual self-described conservatives actually practice these values is that the feeling of, aha, gotcha, is precisely the opposite of what ought to happen as we listen to a sermon. If all I do this morning is to uh, confirm your prejudices, then I failed. 
This sermon is for your benefit, all of you who are listening to it, to help you to grow and learn as I'm growing and learning as I think through these issues. So never mind your Uncle Ted who really ought to hear this or your neighbor who is wrong, wrong, wrong. What is the challenge here for you? So without a lot of historical and philosophical debate or even background, I want to assert what comes to mind for me when one says, what are conservative values? This is less about definitions and more about connotations. And I asked friends to tell me what came to their minds. In the responses was a clustering around certain values. Listen and see what you think of them. Personal responsibility, self-reliance, individualism. Equality of opportunity, not a guarantee of equal outcome. Deep respect for tradition and the past. The primacy of family and a respect for place and home. Respect for authority, order, and the rule of law. Security and the protection of one's family. Caution, frugality, thriftiness, loyalty, fidelity, commitment, purity, hard work, and discipline. There were a wide range of responses, but few sharp disagreements. One fascinating debate opened up when a friend argued persuasively that for her immigrant father, it was liberalism that was associated with individualism and conservatism, which stood for the individual sacrifice of some freedoms in favor of the common good. She said he was far from unusual in this way among their people and his generation. Now, both liberals and conservatives among my friends were surprised and disagreed with her, favoring the identity of individualism with conservatism. But knowing what a shrewd observer of people my friend is, I don't doubt that she is right about the perception of a significant number of people. But setting these fascinating quibbles aside, I was struck, not for the first time, by how many of these values are fundamentally important to me personally. Furthermore, I think they dovetail with Unitarian Universalist values and principles. Though you don't hear so much about them in our churches, in our hymnal, perhaps because in our minds and the wider culture, they have become identified with conservatism and with particular expressions that many of us don't embrace, maybe even most of us. Now, there are a couple of values on that list that don't resonate with me, purity, is not something I value. And order and security, while important, take a back seat to things that they might compete with, like freedom and creativity and fairness. Respect for authority, while important, is much less important to me than the proper use of that authority. But mostly, the, the values that I just listed are values I hold dear. In fact, Oddly enough, they're often the reason my politics are far from conservative and my theology is far from traditional. So I hope you'll follow that thread with me and see where it might lead us. What do these values mean to us as Unitarian Universalists or as people creating a community and envisioning, hoping to create a better world? Let's start with hard work and discipline. 
I don't think that they are always enough, and the world presents numerous examples of those who thrive without working very hard at all due to luck and inheritance, whether of wealth or of connections or of the approved race, gender, class, physical attributes, etc. So hard work doesn't strictly correlate with success, not by a long shot. But among the factors in our lives that we can control, hard work, persistence, self-discipline, steadiness of purpose are ones most of us hope to pass on to our children, most of us hope to develop in ourselves. Because we know that without them, people cannot hope to develop their gifts and make something of the opportunities chance sends our way. Another, e equity of opportunity rather than outcome. That we give people equal opportunity, that doesn't mean that we're all going to end up with equal prosperity. Here too, is this purely a principle for conservatives to hold to? I mean, we Unitarian Universalists as a whole might want a solid floor to be put under everyone so that even if their own failures, not just misfortunes, but their mistakes, land them in trouble, they don't fall too far. We believe in second chances. We believe in helping one another out. But we don't, as a rule, aim for everyone to end up in the same place. Unitarian Universalists strive, <laughs> strive instead for equality of opportunity, a fair shot a real chance, and preferably an equivalent one, to get a job, to have the family we want, to live someplace decent, to, to have enough. Where a hardline conservative may see equity of opportunity, I often see an uneven playing field. Two young people may have the opportunity to apply to Harvard, but the one whose mother and grandfather went there has a huge head start by university policy. But that affirms the principle of equality of opportunity. The teen who would be the first in their family to go to Harvard should have the same opportunity as the legacy teenager. In asserting this, we're not opposing conservative values, we're promoting them. <clears throat> and how about the conservative value of personal responsibility and its partner, self-reliance? <clears throat> well, what Unitarian could balk at self-reliance, which one of our ancestors, Ralph Waldo Emerson, raised to such importance? Now, it needs to be said that Emerson meant more, follow your own conscience, be true to yourself, don't imitate or conform, than pull on those bootstraps, and if that doesn't raise you off the ground, well, don't expect any help. But as with hard work, I think in practice, we do value personal responsibility very much in our congregations, regardless of our politics. Aren't we outraged when someone disclaims responsibility for the results of their actions? When they're careless and then expect other people to get them out of the messes they created themselves? I hope we do value personal responsibility. It's, it's not all the story. We need communal care as well. That's very, very important. But people make their own decisions and need to take responsibility for the results. 
This is precisely why I believe in such liberal policies as strict environmental controls. If your factory generates toxins, you, not your neighbors, not the folks living downstream, not the fish in the river, should bear the cost of disposing of them safely. It's a matter of taking responsibility for your own actions and not shoving them off on others. Now, we might agree to pitch in communally and help, but we want to see that you're the first to own the problem. That is a deeply conservative conviction. Then there's fidelity, commitment, keeping promises. I love this quote, although I can't fully remember who said it. I think it's Starhawk, but it might have been Marge Piercy asking us to learn to build to last. Learning to build to last takes time. And to make a project work over time, we have to make promises and keep them. <clears throat> we have to be true to our past selves and to the relationships we have created. Otherwise, we'll never be able to make anything that isn't slapdash and shoddy. Beautiful buildings, deep friendships, good marriages, communities we can depend on. Those are the fruits of commitment. Other factors as well, but absolutely essentially commitment. Richard Haidt spoke beautifully of this value a few weeks ago in our service, how he sees the commit in committee in the people who sustain this community of care, action, inspiration, and wisdom this community that has been going on for generations. We can change our plans, saying, I changed my mind. We can break a promise we made to somebody now dead, saying, it can't harm them, they can't know. But then we won't be able to trust the promises that others make to us, nor will they trust ours. And a world where commitment means so little and promises are empty words. That's not a word, a world that we Unitarian Universalists want to inhabit. To stick with something when it no longer fulfills its original promise may be foolish. People change and we need to make space for that. Even a commitment as sacred and serious as a marriage may have to be broken. But this value counsels us never to do so lightly. Another conservative value is respect, even reverence, for the past. This too must be tempered by flexibility and openness to change. The good old days weren't always good, Billy Joel sang, but a, the things that are old, the rituals that have been practiced for a long time, the people we've known for our entire lives, the places that our family goes back to for generations or tells the stories of from previous times. These are the things that anchor us. They anchor us and we need to be anchored. This is why I love Mexico where an old building is not so often torn down and replaced with a new one, but is repurposed for new needs. 
the ancient and the modern coexist there much more comfortably than in the United States, where a casino will be demolished because it's old and obsolete after 25 years. Theodore Roosevelt is the figure perhaps best known for embodying this meaning of conservative in the political realm, creating the national parks because he perceived that the wilderness of our land was a precious and irreplaceable heritage that we must preserve for future generations just as it came down to us because previous inhabitants had been its caretakers and stewards. They hadn't been consumers who used it up and tossed it away. When we affirm our respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part, one of uh, the Unitarian Universalist principles to which congregations adhere, are we not pledging our allegiance to something much older and larger and longer lasting than ourselves and our lives? And could we put that principle into practice without the conservative value of conserving, preserving, valuing what preceded us? I don't think so. Complexity and beauty often take a long time to grow, but to destroy them takes almost no time at all. Notre Dame, the work of thousands of artisans over centuries burned in a few hours as we watched. The Buddhas that stood in the Bamiyan Valley of Afghanistan, the heritage of all of humanity for 1600 years, they were there all that time until the Taliban intent on erasing and rewriting the past bombed them into dust in a matter of days. The Amazon rainforest, our planetary lungs, grew over the 55 million years, uh, over 55 million years. And then comes Jair Bolsonaro, who orders it to be de destroyed, and it can be in the geological equivalent of the blink of an eye. Our most conservative values rebel against attacks on tradition and the past. They say, these things matter, these things are important. Now, this is a good moment, I think, to detour to politics, because, of course, Bolsonaro is a conservative. The Taliban is not exactly a liberal organization. And I want to remind us, if we consider ourselves liberal in this moment, not to fall into just the gotcha, not to be smug at noting the hypocrisy of these so-called conservatives. Because if these conservatives are hypocritical, well, so are liberals sometimes who quote wise ancient sayings about preserving things to the seventh generation, but sneer at tradition when it comes down to them. Eventually, I hope we move past spotting other people's hypocrisies and go to two important places. One, a recognition that it's complex the way these values and the way we act intersect. And second, that we may have more in common with people of other political persuasions than we frequently think. 
maybe we can dig past the experiences of our, the expressions, excuse me, the expressions of our values to the bedrock, the values themselves. And notice that there we might have something in common. Maybe we could share with somebody with whom we disagree very much about policy, about politics. This is why I do X, Y, Z. Let me tell you my reasons for believing in these policies, my values. And ask them why they do and believe A, B, and C. What are the values under that? Not to do a gotcha, not to say what a hypocrite you are, but to note how our values may be expressed in other ways and to notice the depth of what we hold in common. I'm thinking here about an unlikely person to be bringing, to bring up in the context of conservative values, but bear with me. I'm thinking of Martin Luther King, how he used some of our most conservative values and most conservative traditions to assert something radical. Here's a quote from him, and I'm going to call out some of the things he said in his speech uh, in the March on Washington in 1963, the speech known as I Have a Dream. I'm going to call out some that I think are quite conservative. In a sense, he said, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. Cash a check. When the architects of our republic, architects of our republic, wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. A promissory note, an inheritance. This note was a promise that all men, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note. Defaulted. Insofar as her citizens of color are concerned, instead of honoring this sacred obligation, sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. Do you hear all of his use, constant use of conventional conservative tropes? That of a debt owed, of a check written, of a promissory note given and responsibly repaid. That of our founding fathers. He wasn't doing this just as a rhetorical flourish. No one, certainly no one, who thinks of themselves as a conservative wants to bounce a check. No conservative wants to dishonor the past and such authorities as the architects of the Republic by denying the truth of the words of our sacred documents. But he wasn't just playing gotcha with our values, calling us out as a country for hypocrisy. He was genuinely embracing those values. They are conservative. And when they're honored, when they are applied to everyone, they are radical. 
When we dig, dig down to our true values, we sometimes, not always, but sometimes, find that we share them, even with people who are on another level opposite to us, whose political aims, whose social vision, whose actions, even in regard to our own rights and well-being, are opposed to ours, who are, frankly, a danger to us and what we hold dear. It may seem very strange, even scary, that we can have something so important in common with them. But we do. Come all ye conservatives and liberals who want to conserve the good things and be free. Come away from the merchants of big answers, Wendell Berry says. Maybe it's small answers that we need. Small answers spoken in the privacy of our hearts and consciences as we examine our own values and own them. Small answers spoken in the intimate circle of friendships and families. Those might help us to be true to ourselves and to create together the world we long to inhabit. So may it be.